Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is episode 28 of Coaching Connections. Now, in today's episode, we have Mr. Justin Johnson for a very unique episode. Justin isn't a coach. He didn't play college basketball. He didn't play professional basketball, uh, but he did play basketball in high school. And so what I wanted to do is paint a unique perspective of, of what young people can learn going through a program, because as we all know, the majority of our kids aren't going to play in the NBA or the NFL, things of that nature. So what lessons can they learn while in an athletic program that transcend throughout the rest of their lives? And so Justin has a very cool story, very, very successful at his job at Facebook and and leads a very interesting life. And so I thought it's a very powerful perspective for young people to see. This is episode 28, Justin Johnson. Let's get after it. Yo, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's up, brother? I am here. What's going on? Locked in. Well, thank you, Mr. Justin Johnson, for for coming and and hanging out with us and talking about your experiences. I appreciate you, brother. Of course, man. Appreciate you thinking of me. Happy to be here. Excited to chat. Yes, sir. You know, first off, let's talk about this whole COVID situation. You know, it's kind of altered our lives a little bit. In what ways has it it changed your life? And what are you doing to stay busy during these times? Stay sane. Yeah, man. This This is the longest stretch of time probably in the last five, six, seven years, something like that, that I've been grounded, meaning I haven't been on a plane. I haven't been traveling to a different place, staying in a hotel, those sorts of things. So it's really made me stay home, which when I stop to think about, like it's a simple thing to do, right? But it's also a hard thing to do when you're not used to it. And for me, um, thinking about the last place I I was in, which was in Orlando, I was at uh, Disney, Disney World in February, right before this sort of started kicking off. Yeah. I didn't really realize the, the magnitude at which it would uh, impact the world, let alone me. And so I knew it was a serious thing. You know, the NBA season gets canceled, right? Rudy Gobert tests positive. South by Southwest, which is an event that I was going to attend in Austin, Texas, gets canceled. Hasn't been canceled, I don't think, ever in its entire existence. Uh, and then there was sort of this domino effect. And so when all this sort of started kicking off, I, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm from San Antonio. So decided to stay in LA for a bit and stay put thinking, Hey, maybe by the summer things will get better. Uh, not really understanding the full sort of impact that was going to happen at not only a local, but also global scale. And so realizing and seeing COVID cases going up, uh, people near us and dear to our hearts, getting the, the virus and passing away from the virus really just shook me and saying like this this thing is is more than what people are understanding or making it out to be and so for me it's just been very deliberate and intentional about what i'm doing with my time which time is is a very interesting concept right we all have it but we just have different amounts of it and when our time is done our time is done you don't get any more of it you're gone yeah And so with that sort of frame of mind, for me, it really got me thinking like, what am I doing that I shouldn't be in terms of wasting my time or where should I be putting my time or investing my time to to get more out of it? And so it's really allowed me to be in my own mind and in my own peace of mind, really to understand and almost like critique myself and have that check in with, with myself to think about where can I be putting my time and energy more that I hadn't been previously. Obviously all that's happening in the world with COVID, but then you also have a lot of social injustice happening with, with many different um, cases across the board, whether 
you know, it, it'd be local in San Antonio. I'm actually back in San Antonio now, or even on a much larger level across the U.S. with, with police brutality and things of that sort. It's really just been a, a time like no other that I've ever experienced in my entire lifetime. And I've been through some things. And it's really just given me perspective um, to want to do more, to care more, to give more of my time that is limited, as I mentioned, but like to do more with it. Because um, it really just lit fire under me to say, hey, like this isn't right. And I shouldn't just be okay with accepting that this is the norm, right? And so that all being said, uh, in terms of COVID, um, not really doing too much outdoors, obviously, because things are closed here in San Antonio. And I'm also not still comfortable with being around people, um, given the fact that this virus can be uh, have or can be within people and they have no symptoms, right? So it's really just been like a true lockdown for me where I'm just straight up quarantined, working from home, fortunately, keeping busy that way. But, you know, very few times am I going outdoors. If I go outdoors, it's literally to walk the neighborhood or run at the nearest neighborhood park, but not much of anything. I go to the grocery store once a week and that's like my highlight. Yeah. I, t- I told uh, somebody like, yeah, that's when I put on my, my nice shoes and, and if I bought a new shirt online and I'll put on my new shirt, I ordered online and, and I worked at H E B and, uh, and that's about the highlight of my week. <laughs> I feel that. Well, because I came to San Antonio with a small suitcase thinking I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks and then I'll go back to L.A. Uh, it's been over three months that I've been here. My plan was to be here about three weeks, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of just going and going. And uh, I'm planning to return to L.A. at some point, maybe in the, in the coming weeks is the plan. Um, but we'll see. Uh, there's still so much uncertainty in all this and been really fluid. There's real no real rush to, to move anywhere or move back to get back to my place but um yeah i don't i don't have uh the, the new clothes like you do going to hb i brought what i brought and that's what i use and i recycle <laughs> it through the week so every time people see me on, on camera or whatever it's literally the same shirt i'll just like flip it inside out or return to the other color that i have i literally bought a few things and that's all i brought with me yeah you know just for those that don't know um well we'll touch on the journey here in a second but just so that we can get it out there you now what do you do uh, as your profession yeah Absolutely. So I have the unique privilege of working at and for Facebook. Um, Many times when I tell people I work for Facebook, they don't fully grasp the idea that people work for Facebook where they they question, what do you mean you work for Facebook? Uh, So in plain terms, I, me, Justin, work for Facebook, the, the company that you likely see content or watch content from your friends, families, businesses that you're, you're uh, supporters of, etc. I work for that company and, and that company um, enables me to work with digital creators, uh, digital talent, influencers, celebrities, to be the face of Facebook, if you will, to these different individuals, mm-hmm. to help them grow and develop their presence on Facebook and make money on Facebook through their content, as well as doing something similar with emerging talent. So people who aren't as famous as the well-known established people in the world, but are on the up and coming uh, doing that on Instagram as well. That's pretty awesome. Actually, it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so when you say like celebrities and, and content creators, you're talking about guys that, that, that creative minds are putting out these videos and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be someone in, in their, their basement that's editing and shooting all their content by themselves. It's more, there's also some more established people relating it to basketball, 
some of the people that I've worked with more recently, like from the N1 mixtape tour. So you think of the professor, right? So who's for my childhood, super iconic, uh, as well as the bone collector, these sorts of individuals who built their brand, if you will, through basketball, but then took it off the court, still do play from time to time. And they're based in Los Angeles area, but now have created a persona digitally, right? With the internet and social media, be it Facebook and Instagram to amplify their voice, to sell product or merchandise that they've created, to sell tickets to events that they're going to be at, those sorts of things. And so it's been kind of cool to work with people like them in which I used to want to be like them as a kid, right? And do their tricks and do their shots and wear their shoes and those sorts of things to then now be able to humanize the experience where it comes full circle where that those people I would idolize and have seen on TV, then now the internet, I actually get to meet in real life and work with and help. So those are some examples, but there's hundreds of, of others across the board because the spectrum is, is so wide. It's not just basketball. It's not just fitness. It's beauty, do-it-yourself, cooking, comedy, et cetera. So like the, the gamut of people that I've worked with or work with is super wide. Nice. No, that's awesome. It sounds like a ton of fun. Um, it is. So kind of taking it back a little bit then, let's talk a little bit about your childhood first. You know, where did, where did you grow up? Obviously, you said San Antonio, but but uh, kind of go into a little more depth, you know, San Antonio, and, and then we'll kind of go from there. All over, man. So San Antonio is home for me. Um, I The older I've gotten, the more appreciation I have for it because it, it really has helped me become who I am to in this moment, to this day, right? And so growing up, um, I grew up, predominantly on the south side right so I, I went to Vesto Elementary went to Tara Wells Middle School I graduated from McCollum High School but in that in, in leading up to that I, I kind of lived all around right I lived with various family members primarily my aunts and so they've lived in the north northwest part of San Antonio south side of San Antonio and kind of everywhere between and I've, I've lived and floated through those different places and so yeah I, I graduated, as I mentioned, from McCullum, uh, was salutatory in there, but also, more importantly, was a first-generation scholar of my family to attend college. And with that, I had the opportunity and privilege to attend the University of Texas at Austin on a full-ride scholarship, and that fundamentally gave me what I believe in that moment, the golden ticket to, to get out, if you will. And, and be exposed to things uh, that I'd never been exposed to, never even thought of as a, a kid in San Antonio. And it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because Austin's about an hour north up the interstate from San Antonio. And ultimately me going to college there was only an hour-ish away, but it was a world's difference from what I was used to, what I grew up with versus what I was exposed to and just literally had no clue about anything outside of what I had already known, right? And so. For me, it was very much a one of the more influential decisions to go to UT. Obviously, what empowered that, as I mentioned, was the fact that I received the full ride scholarship. Because without it, I'm very certain that I wouldn't have gone there. Because it was it was and is uh, very expensive to attend a full uh, four year university such as UT. Oh, that's 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 powerful stuff. You know, growing up, like you said, most predominantly on the south side, and and earning yourself a full scholarship. You know, it's it's. And to watch what you've done with it, uh, which we'll cover here in a second, I think it's it's empowering for younger younger people to see that you know it doesn't matter where you grow up, where you come from, um, you you can do the things that you dream of. And so, talk a little bit about your professional career after after college. You graduated from UT. Yeah, so I graduated uh, from the Macomb School of Business within UT Austin with a degree in finance. Um, 
And, and during college, I had multiple internships with uh, Goldman Sachs, which is a, one of the largest financial institutions in the, in the, in the world, really. Um, Google, obviously people are familiar with Google. And then after college and graduating, I started working for a company called Oracle. So Oracle is essentially a, a software database company. It's one of the 100 largest companies in the world. So I worked with them for about a year and then was able to land something with Facebook. And so I've been at Facebook now a little over six years as of last month, um, which is kind of just surreal to think about because most of my 20s, I've been at Facebook. So I've literally grown up at and on Facebook. And it's a very unique experience to, to think about. And when I look back at things that I posted and shared over the years, not even just being there, but from when I first got started on the Facebook to now, it's a very much my digital diary of things and where I've been, places I've eaten at, people I've met, things I've thought, how I felt. Um, so it's been it's been pretty crazy, man. Because if you if you would have told the the eighteen year old kid that was graduating from McCollum that in a few years you know his life would change forever and for the better, I don't know if I would have bought into it, but I I would have been interested to at least experience or see what that even meant. And yeah, now, now as I, I think and, and wake up every day, and even though I'm not in the office because all that's happening in the world and, and our offices are closed for, for a while and continue to be, uh, it's, it's a position of privilege, man. Like it's something I wake up every single day that I am fortunate to wake up and I'm just, I'm just happy because like, I, I could, I know what it's like to not have anything and I know what it's like to have what I have. And I know, and I've been through the middle, right? And so, so for me, it's just having that perspective on gratitude and appreciation for like the little things and understanding that it could very well end for me tomorrow. Right. My, I could not wake up. That's, that's a possibility. I hope not, but like, that's a thing, right. Um, I could lose my job. That is a thing. Excuse me. That is a thing too. But I think those are the things I, I think about. Doesn't lead, it doesn't lead me to drive like to, to live with fear but it, it makes me just more realistic of like there's more to life than just the things i'm doing but those help shape my life experience yeah no it's good stuff um and it keeps you grounded it keeps you motivated keeps you hungry um but it's good to hear right i mean like you said it's a place of privilege but you but you've been with nothing and you've worked your way up to to this situation where you where you uh, live a very comfortable, very, very comfortable life. And, and Fortunately, yeah. very blessed, man. And so, uh, like I said, I just think it's powerful for the younger generation to hear. And what, what I, what I want to lead to is, you know, you played sports in high school, you know, right. um, you weren't a guy, you know, a lot of these young guys, they, they dream of division one scholarships and playing in the NBA. But the reality is most of the guys on a high school basketball team are going to live pretty normal lives and normal meaning. Right not playing in the NBA. And so it's important for them to see that the things that you learn during your time within a program, like you play basketball for your high school team, uh, can really uh, transcend throughout the rest of your life. And so um, just tell us a little about, you know, you, we know you played for McCollum. Who were some of your coaches? Uh, what are some of the things that you've learned through those program, through going through the program? And then how has it helped you throughout your career? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and for me, like being able to have these, you know, positive male influences in my life was, was critical, especially at a time when you're a teenager and you don't really know right from wrong. You don't really care right from wrong. You think you're right and everyone else is wrong. You're just 
you're in your own world, right? And in your own view, which is, you know, not always the right thing to be doing or thinking, but I was once that age and I was also in that, in that kind of frame of mind. And so I was fortunate to, to have multiple coaches, some that come to mind that I still keep in contact with the coach, uh, De Los Santos, Eric. So I think now he's, he's still at Harlandale uh, high school, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah. had coach, coach Bell, Robert Bell, who was like a San Antonio legend in Fox tech. And then now he's the new head coach for Sam Houston Clemens. high school. I believe. Sam Clemens, Samuel Clemens. Clemens. Okay. I'll get that right. And then lastly, um, you know, one of the, the people who had one of the greater impacts and, you know, he coached you as well, I believe Soto, right. Jerry Soto. And now he's the superintendent for the Harland independent school district. And so having these, very different personalities coach me and like show me and teach me to be a better player, but to ultimately be a better person uh, was important for me, critical for me. And at the time I didn't really understand a lot of the things that they said or forced us to do. Uh, no one, no one enjoys running suicides. No one enjoys doing the 6am team practice after a game on Friday. No one likes the, ru- the bus ride back home when you just got your ass kicked, right? Like these are things that in the moment they were just sort of happening. But within that, I think these lessons that were being instilled in us around hard work and dedication, and having a, a true grit and work ethic, these things, you can't go buy them at the store. You literally, I felt like I was broken down into pieces and then reassembled into a better version of myself because of that. And so I still think to this day, like I remember some of the most sound advice I've ever received and I continue to share with people and, and uh, it, it is to doubt your doubts and believe in your belief. And that's something coach Soto, Jerry Soto would tell us over and over. And as a 16, 17, 18 year old, cause he, he coached me all throughout my, my high school career is this guy talking about like what does that even mean but he knew what he was talking about because he'd been through what we were going through but we just didn't understand because we weren't at that mindset yet right we were just so far removed from reality thinking it's so easy and what the hell does this tall bald man no offense but like what is he talking about right as i lose my hair too or as i get older but in those moments i'm just like no it was like a, a tension and pull push and pull right he's pushing us to be the best we can be. And we're like kind of pulling away of like, yo, we got to leave us alone. But in looking and reflecting back, that was some of the, the thing I thought about that really framed not only my mindset, but my approach to life out, like outside of school. Right. And so for me, I'm like, I got to be my biggest fan. I got to be my biggest supporter. I got to go and do it that seems crazy or on paper. doesn't seem like, yo, you're going to get it. I need to be my biggest hype man to know that I'm always going to bet on me. Right. And that's something I've been thinking about more than a decade now to like, just have that mentality to be like, I'm always going to bet on me and I'm going to always go all in. And if I lose, I'm not losing. I'm, I'm, well, I might be losing something, but I'm always learning. So I'm taking something from it. Right. And I, I think that's the thing I really, really think about is to understand that aspect and then de los santos and bell like really helped to coach to understand like everyone plays on a team everyone plays their part right you got the shooter you got the rebounder you got the ball handler some that can do all three some that can do too well some that can do none well right 
playing and but more importantly knowing your part i think is so key to just being aware right and knowing and understanding for me right as a middle schooler 12 13 14 year old 12 13 year old i wanted to be in the nba like that seemed like the coolest thing right get get paid to play basketball have all this money whatever as i got older and as i stayed the same height and my skill got a little bit better but not progressively to like the other likes of people that i got to play against in high school I'm like, all right, this is probably not in my cards. That's fine. And then I'm thinking like, that's okay, right? But that, that was a hard pill to swallow because that's like your childhood dream. That's like getting a piece of paper, crumbling and throwing. It's like, but go find a new piece of paper. Yeah. And understanding like these key lessons that I've learned from these individuals who, you know, these, to me, these coaches are more than just like coaches, right? And you, you've shared this experience probably as a, not only a player, but also now as a coach, right? And seeing your boys who literally are your, your family, right? And you, you see them grow, you see them leave, they come back and they be, it becomes a long-term relationship that you just, a friendship, a brothership, right? And I think that's like such a thing of beauty to then go back and, be able to share like, Hey, coach D or coach bell or, or, or Soto, like, let me share with you what you helped me with that I've been able to better my life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some of these things are, are tough lessons to learn, but they're invaluable. And you know, the, the, I think I sent coach Soto this email. I have to double check to make sure on out, but a couple months ago or like maybe like a year ago, uh, Forbes, right? You're familiar with Forbes, which is a very well-known publication, uh, reached out to me and wanted to include me in an article to give advice to uh, graduates of the, of the new class, right? Like people who are done with high school, done with college as they progress into their new chapter of life. Like what is the advice I would give? And if you, if you Google for me, you type in Forbes and you, you type in this phrase, you'll find the article. And the, the article gave a head nod or a tap to coach Soto. And that was, you know, what's the advice I would give. And it's what I mentioned here, which is to doubt your doubts and believe in your beliefs. Cause I don't only like just share that I breathe it, I live it. And I finally years later, I understand it. You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, we do it all the time and, and you can see it, the kids, you know, that push and pull you talk about, but it, to me, it's all about planting that seed, you know, and, and one day it's going to, it's going to, it's going to sprout and, and, and they're going to start to realize what we were saying and, and hopefully use those lessons uh, down the road after they leave our program. And, and, and then it's, it's always a, a beautiful thing when they come back and either just to say hi or just or let us know how they're doing or, or the successes that they're having. Or, or sometimes, you know, Coach, you know, you're, you were there for us when, um, when we were struggling in high school and I'm kind of struggling right now. So, you know, I might be 20 in my, my 20s, but – you know, what would you do? That kind of thing. You know, that, like you said, yeah, that, it, that bond, that relationship lasts, lasts forever. Always, man. That's a, that's the thing I, I think about too. Like that gave me an opportunity to play basketball, but it also gave me like brothers for life. You know, there might be times where I see, I don't get to see or speak to some of my teammates that I used to hoop with months, years at a time. And then we pick up right where we left off, you know, and like those to me, like that, that's, those, those are special moments. So you talked about roles in a team and how important it is to know your role. What was your role on your high school team? Uh, I was as the shooting guard, small forward. So, but for me, really, it was just you know to to play hard, 
right? I wasn't going to go out and score 30 a game. I realized that, but I knew that if I could play smart and play wise, I would get to earn the minutes to play and hopefully contribute to the larger goal of winning, right? And so um, I took a lot of charges. Man, I took a lot of charges, but that's what we learned, right? We were, you know, our team um, for the most part was never the biggest. I think one of our tallest guys might have been 6'2", 6'3", which is probably shorter than you, right? Like, so we didn't have a big team, but what we did have was a team that would fight for each other and be there for each other and be willing to take charges from people that look like grown men. And that's what we did because that's the only thing we could control and influence was the fact that we can go out there and do our best, leave it all on the court, blood, sweat, tears, aches, all that, bruises, everything. But we're going to do our best to, to control and influence what we can. And we would go into places and we were generally the underdog. Here's this group of individuals from the south side of San Antonio. And let's try and rough them up. And we would, you know, t- get hit in the mouth, literally and metaphorically get punched, right? And we would just take it and get back up and be better and do better and do well and compete with the likes at the time of like Judson and Roma out in, and down south. Texas and, and compete with these people who were ranked in the state. Um, and no one, you know, it's kind of like the Cinderella story. Right. And I think that's the thing I appreciate more now and in, in trying to parallel like what my role was then and how it translates to life now. And I, I think what I take from it is like doing my best with what I have or what I know. Right. And what I mean by that is just really, truly, tapping into knowing I'll never be an engineer and that's by choice. And that's also because of skill. I have zero interest by my choice to like go computer code and do all that. Not to say it's not a good thing. It's a great thing. I'm just not that guy. Right. But in understanding what I'm good at, you give me the task at hand that I'm equipped with and understand what's the objective. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. You know, real quick, going back to, you said Roma, it's funny because, uh, uh, I have a I have a friend that really really good close friend of mine now, but we just met a couple of years ago. Um, but he's a little younger. You know, he played he played on that Roma team where they were they were favorite, and he always brings it up because he he knows I'm the head coach of McCullum and and he's like, man, I can't stand McCullum because man, we were like number whatever in the state. They were really good, and and McCullum goes out in the playoffs and and beats them on a three. Uh, and he, he just – he can't swallow it. I just wanted to bring that up, you know, in the hopes that – Yeah, that was, uh, that was 2009, man. I still remember it because I was there. And I so, think they were ranked fifth at the time. Fifth in the state. That sounds about right. And he, he just yeah. – every, every time we talk about Roma basketball, he always brings up that game. And I said, I, I didn't play on that team and I wasn't the coach. He goes, yeah, but you're a McCollum guy. And you know what? I'm like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to bring that I up. Hope he, I hope he remembers that, man. 2009, Roma. He, I remember that. He's never going to live that down. Never, never, never. Um, but you talk about, uh, you know, to me, I, I, I uh, gotten to know you over the years, and, and you're just, uh, you know, breaking barriers, right? And you're doing these wonderful things in a giant company like like Facebook. And, and to me, I just think that's so powerful for these young people to see. And and so these lessons you learn, the 6.30 in the morning practices and the blood, sweat, and tears on the floor, the sacrifices uh, that you give for your teammates, I mean, how, how did that help you break those barriers, like going to a giant company like Facebook? Yeah, man. I mean, 
for me, it's not like I just go tap into someone in my family and be like, hey, you know, mom, aunt, brother, etc. Like, introduce me to these people at that at your company or at this company, just because no one in my family's ever done it. Yeah. And so, you know, from the beginning, I'm basically at a disadvantage because I don't even have that ease of accessibility to these people that I want to be around, learn from, work for, etc. But in translating how basketball sort of transpired, you know, my approach off the court, really, for me, it's just like having that, that grit, man. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about going to school in the south side of San Antonio. And the special sort of community that it breeds. And, and you know, it, it creates this environment of opportunity an individual to, to sink or swim, right? I mean, many people don't really give you a shot to begin with. You're always kind of the underdog. At least that was, that's how I felt, right? Um, a public school, uh, uh, you know, a, a school where they give subsidized lunch, those sorts of things where it's like, it's just different, right? And, and But going through that and living it, and, and even with basketball to, to help with that, like teach me and guide me the right way. It's really just taught me to have the utmost confidence in, in myself and, and be scrappy. I think that's probably one of the, the key things to be scrappy and make the best with what you have, given what you have, which might not be much. And like, a, you know, for me, I, I didn't have too much growing up. And I think I just had to get creative. I remember, for example, this is a real story. My, uh, junior and senior I, I never even had a lab I didn't have a laptop until I went to college in 2013 but all the applications I had to do for colleges leading up to my senior year even you know graduating senior year were online and so what that meant is I would get up early like around 6 six thirty, and I was one of the first people at McCullum with the janitors who I made really good friends with Mr. Morales and, and his son Tony and I did that a lot because without it, I had no access to the internet. And then, you know, if, if I couldn't get to the library or anything, mind you, this was like, I would go really early to do it because then I had practice or if I had practice in the morning, I would stay late or whatever it was. Uh, then I would have to go to the public library that was near where I was living. And I just had to sacrifice, man. But it, it came down to not taking no for an answer, not feeling sorry for myself because I didn't have something and really just focusing on what I did have. And for me, I had this internal drive and grit to be like, I'm going to go out and get what's mine, no matter at what cost, yeah. within reason, obviously, and doing it the right way, right? Yeah. But for me, that was a thing. I was like, I, I'm going to just figure it out. I'm not going to be here and want someone to feel sorry for me or feel bad for me and say, oh, like, poor guy, he didn't have a computer, right? I didn't. And that's the thing I think about going into to, to UT where it's the first time in my life I have a computer. Think about that. Like first time, 18 years old. And I remember going to the campus bookstore. They, they sold laptops there. And I was able to buy a, a MacBook Pro that I still have. And I have it to just remind me. Yeah. of what it's like to be the, the Justin Johnson from 2009 and remember what it was like before having that device, right? So it's super outdated, super slow, kind of works, not really now, 
but in that moment it was just like all the you know the struggles and the sacrifice the six in the morning wake-ups to drive to school to get there before everybody else because we had limited amount of computers to begin with and I just needed to fit that into somewhere and I knew it was important just kind of juggling that and that's really transpired to me is like even if I don't know something which to this day happens often because I don't know everything and I don't I don't want to know everything because I think I'll just be bored like there's still excitement in understanding like yo I'm I don't know that but I'm going to learn it I'm going to figure it out and I think that's a big part of what got me to where I'm at today, what keeps me where, where I'm at today and what continues to like push forward is like just to keep going, man, to just like really go in deep inside yourself to like know you are able to do it. And like what I was doing 10 years ago plus was like the surface level. Yeah. Now I'm like diving really deeper into like going further and doing more. And I think that's a thing more so when, when I'm speaking with, with the youth, right, high school students or even young college uh, students, they're like, oh, my God, I, I would love to, to do what you've done or work for you or be where you are, those sorts of things. And I always tell them, like, I, I thank you, one. But secondly, I want you to do better than me. Yeah. Whatever that means, I'm not sure, but you'll figure it out. And if I can get into – these multiple fortune 100 companies year after year and have these jobs and do these things and meet these people. You can too, cause I'm going to share what I did, but then you're going to go do it, do it better, do it sooner than me. So you have a time advantage. So you might be able to squeeze in more than I'll ever be able to right? Cause of time. But that's always the goal for me. It's like, how can I leave these people or these communities that have really like raised me mm-hmm. to be better? and to do better and just and just whatever that means i don't know exactly because everyone's different but like if that's the thing i can do and even if it's just one person from each community that's like the goal for me yeah no that's great stuff um now you touch on you know people saying i want to do what you do uh just paint a, a quick picture what does is, what is a, a typical couple months span look like for justin uh with no covid around you're, you're yeah. traveling like normal that changes everything. Yeah. Um, well, I'll reflect back to, to last year. Last year was probably one of the more momentous, like memorable years I've ever had. I, I, I got married, which was huge. And that happened in the summer. Thank you. Congratulations. I've been, thank you. It's been married over a year, but with that came the fact that I, at that point I was at, I had been at Facebook for five years and once you hit five years at Facebook, you get something called recharge, which is basically a full month paid off to take vacation. And you can add vacation on top of it, right? So I was out of work for about two months, literally from the middle of June, the wedding happens, and then I'm off for two months, literally. And my wife and I, we take, we take a honeymoon and I'm like, right before leading up to, we were kind of debate. She was living in San Antonio. I was in LA. So you know, I was coming to San Antonio basically every other week on a plane, back and forth, back and forth for a whole year. And she would come and in between or whatever, but I was traveling everywhere. In 2019, I think I had literally about 65, 67 flights, which is, which is a lot. Basically every six day I'm on an airplane, something like yeah. that, like crazy. And, um, I remember like, leading up to the wedding uh she was still working for a company and i was like hey why don't we take two weeks off we'll go do like the honeymoon 
and then we'll come back and then you'll give your two weeks and then we'll move to LA. But then I'm thinking that doesn't make any sense. Like that doesn't make any sense. I was like, why don't you quit your job? So she did before the wedding. And then we're going to go on this like crazy once in a lifetime honey, which I actually do hope it happens at some point in, in the future again, because it was, it was incredible. But we, we left for five weeks and we went from uh, post wedding. We went back to LA just to pack up new stuff. And then from LA went to Thailand and we spent two weeks in Thailand. Then we went to Bali and we spent two weeks in Bali in, in, in Indonesia, Southeast Asia. And then we went to Hong Kong for a week. And then we flew back to LA that same day that, or that same, yeah, that same day, because I was so off from the time zone changes. I wake up after like a long nap, basically slept for like eight hours. And I'm like, so jet lagged, but also like not, I couldn't sleep. And I was bored because I'm like, oh, I still have some vacation time. At that point, I still have about three weeks left. So 20 something days of vacation, 21 days. And I'm like, okay. We had just literally, we just gotten back direct, like a I think 10 or 12 hour flight direct from Hong Kong to Los Angeles. I wake up after this nap and I'm like, all right, let's go to Las Vegas. And so we didn't have tickets. We didn't have a hotel. I'm like, I'm going to buy us tickets on the way to the airport in case we don't make it. We don't have, we don't need the tickets, but maybe we do make it. Who knows? So I buy them as we're on the way. We don't have a hotel yet. Cause I'm like, we might not even make these plane tickets that I just got. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. And then we made it. Then we spent two nights in Vegas. Then we fly back to LA and then I'm like, let's go to Texas. Cause like, why not? We'll just go share with our family how the last six weeks of life have been come hang out in Texas, go back. But you know, in a normal few months, pretty much every other week or so I'm traveling for either work or personal reasons. And basically, um, you know, November of a couple months ago, so November of 2019, um, that was such a crazy month because we were literally or between November, December, this, our lives were basically, uh, LA to San Francisco, to LA, to New Mexico, to Washington, DC, to Nashville, to Houston, to San Antonio, back to LA, to Vegas, to Hawaii, back to LA, to San Antonio, back to LA. Whew, I'm tired just listening to that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's a privilege, man, and it's something I don't forget about. Like, I never rode an airplane until I was in 11th grade, and the only reason that I was able to even get on the airplane was because at the time, Ohio State University was trying to recruit me for academics to go to this college there, and uh, being as a kid born and raised in the South Side and going to McCullum and being exposed to what I was, I'm like, I don't even know like, no, no one. I, I don't even know anyone from Ohio. And I remember going with a, a couple others from, from McCullum and, and getting off the plane. It was like 11 degrees. And I'm like, uh-uh, mm. I can't do this. I cannot do this. It was a cool experience. And, it, you know, it's something I think about because literally, so 11th grade was the first time I'd ever flown. And, uh, yeah, like fast forwarding back to here and what you mentioned, what is a typical, um, you know, generally when, when I'm grounded, I'm in the office um, most times during the week or, or meeting with partners, meeting with clients, um, flying around, whether it's on the West Coast primarily or New York or, you know, somewhere in the U.S. somewhere. And then for vacations, I always try to go to places I've never been and just to continue expanding my yeah. 
experience and understanding cultures and, and people mm -hmm. from everywhere in all walks of life. And so, yeah, it had COVID not hit in February. I was still in Orlando. And when I was getting back to LA, we were going to go to uh, Seattle, then Austin for South by Southwest. Then we were going to Cancun for a week. Then we were coming back and then we would have been in Tokyo uh, earlier this summer because I'd been wanting to go. And, you know, that's all on pause for now. It doesn't even sound real, right? It, does, it sounds like something people make up. Yeah, I'm going to go here, here, but this is your life. And, and, but you've worked hard for it and you've, you've earned it. And, and ha a lot of that is traveling for work and a lot of, and some of it's for personal reasons, but, but to get out and experience those things, it's just, it's amazing. And, uh, and Hong Kong, well, what's that like? It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, very populated man. It, it, so in the area we stayed in, it's the Mong Kok district and it's actually the most populated area in the world. Hmm. So it just like, you're just swarmed with people. It feels like New York times square, but like way more people. Right. And it's also very, very humid. It makes Texas feel nice in the summer, which I mean, you being in San Antonio, you know how humid and hot it gets, but like it's worse there for humidity. We were also there during the time that all the protests were happening between mainland China and Hong Kong. Those governmental political tension happening, um, riots, protests, the whole thing. So it was very interesting to, to hear about that and not really see it much happening day to day. Um, and it's just, it's very expensive. And I didn't realize that until we were already there. So I should have probably done more research. But yeah, it's all in all, you know, for me, it was an investment into ourselves to just experience the culture sure. and get a feel for what it's like to like be there. We got to ride a helicopter throughout Hong Kong and, and see Hong Kong from above, which was really cool. Um, yeah, and I'm just a big fan of, of like Southeast Asia and the Asian culture to begin with, because it's so different from US customary culture. No, for sure. I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. Um, you know, last year we brought you and you talked to our athletes a little bit. You know, you were once in their shoes and their jerseys. And so it was, it was neat to hear you give these types of experiences to them. And, and I know that they've, they've kept it with them because we've talked about it on more than a couple of occasions. But they also talk about the cool stuff that you, that you were telling them, you know, uh, the shoes that you buy and, you know, the experiences that you've had through your job and the people you've met. You know, tell us a couple of things, maybe uh, – you know, what, uh, what's your favorite pair of shoes that you, that you own? Cause you're a shoe uh, guy. I know you're a shoe I, guy. I am. I am. Yeah. Um, I spend probably too much time and money on them and, and here I am still, still buying them, but, uh, it's my, it's like my hobby. Like I yeah. just really enjoy, enjoy it for whatever unknown reason. I just really like shoes. Um, my favorite pair. Man, that's super hard. Um, it's super, super hard. I know recently there was a, a collaboration that happened between Air Jordan and Dior, the luxury yep. brand. Yep. And they released for 2000 or 2200. Um, I tried buying those. I, I didn't. And then now they're hit. going for, yeah, they're, they're going for like 15, 20,000. I, I saw a pair for 24 grand. Yeah. Whew. You could buy a car at that point. Yeah. Uh, so so I really like those. It's not my like dream pair, but um, I think if I had to pick a certain pair right now that I'm a big fan of, yeah, I would say probably the Nike Dunks that are the Manu Ginobili edition. Obviously, it's an ode to, to Manu Ginobili. I'm a diehard Spurs fan. And uh, these were a very limited release. I don't even think there were many pairs circulated to begin with. And, you know, I got some some of the hypey stuff that all the kids and younger people in high school like the Yeezys, the off-whites and Nikes, some more dunks and 
uh, things of that sort. But yeah. Have you seen those Jordan four, the off white ones and the women's sizes? Those are nice. Yeah. I think they're releasing this Saturday and I'm actually yeah. trying to get a pair as well. Yeah. And then there's also a pair of, uh, Nike SB grateful dead shoes releasing this Saturday as well. Uh, they're these like green fuzzy looking shoes, which I like kind of like the, the more wild, you know, I have shoes that have cheetah print and Oh, actually I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question finally with a different answer, which is the, the Kobe Grinch. I have the Kobe Grinch. Uh, I think they're the six, the Kobe Grinch six. So it literally looks like the, the Grinch color green with red laces. I love these those released, shoes. Those, these released back in 2010, uh, on Christmas day. And I actually have a pair. Um, and I've, you know, this took me years to track down in my size in a pair that was actually legitimate, not a replica and in good shape. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's definitely one of my, if not my favorite pair, because to find those in a good shape, good pair, you're probably looking around $4,000, which I, I paid nothing near. Yeah, no, those are beautiful shoes. And, and I heard they're going to re-release, you know, obviously it's yeah. a re-release, but it's still, I mean, they're, they're very, very beautiful shoes for sure. I'll try and get the re-release for sure, but there's nothing like, like the OG. So exactly. I, I have, I have a pair in Los Angeles that, uh, it's just waiting for me to use at some point, wherever. I, maybe when I go to the grocery store over there, I'll put them on and, and, and get a new T-shirt or something. What's the uh, What's the most you ever paid for a pair of shoes? You don't have to answer, oh. but if you want to answer. <laughs> uh, in the four figures. Really? So yeah. yeah, over easily over a thousand dollars. Multiple pairs. Um, I, saying that makes me feel bad because I, I shouldn't be doing that, but. Uh, but I have, I'm, I'm guilty of doing that. Um, if you can do it, you yeah. can do it. Right? I mean, yeah, but I could also, you know, the counterpoint is like, I should probably do something else with, with that money. But yeah, uh, over a thousand dollar couple pairs for sure. Easily. Um, talk about some other experiences that you've had working. I know you told the kids some, some very cool stories. Yeah. Uh, so my mom's birthday was well, it's every year, but last year specifically, I flew her out to Los Angeles because it was a big birthday for her. Um, and this was at the time that, uh, Sunday service with Kanye West was, was kicking off. It wasn't like a big thing yet. It was still a very intimate, small setting at the Yeezy headquarter out out in Calabasas, just outside of LA. And I think this was the second or third time it had ever happened. Um, and my, my friend who is, uh, Tony Williams who's Kanye West's cousin. He's his, my friend is his manager called me. He's like, Hey, you know, there's this Sunday service thing happening. If you're interested in coming, let me know. I'm like, it sounds cool, but I flew my mom out here for her birthday. So if I can bring my mom, I'll go. If I can't bring my mom, I'm not going to go. And we went and I remember telling my mom leading up to like, Hey, like we're going to go. You'll probably see all the Kardashians and, and the Jenners and Kanye West, etc., And some other people. And she just like freaked out and froze and like started getting nervous. I'm like, you know, relax. You're not the one that's going to be seeing gospel music or anything. Yeah. And, uh, I remember taking her and like, we walk in and, and it was such a crazy, like it felt like frozen in time. So I walk in and, and there's like literally uh Chris Jenner, Kendall Jenner, uh, Courtney Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, all the kids, Kanye, um, LA Reed and some other like supermodels and some other like prominent LA people. And we went in and have the experience of Sunday service, which is really like cool just to experience. Kid Cudi was there. It was really cool just to experience that. And then the service ended and I'm like literally in the brunch line was the person in front of me who I didn't know at the time until she turned back was actually Kendall Jenner. So there we are literally having French shows talking and then it ends. 
the, the, the brunch portion ends and we're leaving and I tell them, Hey, I'm going to run to the bathroom. I'll be right back. In that one minute span that I went to the bathroom and came back, my mom gets to meet Kanye and she met him sort of randomly because she said, as I went this way, he came this way seconds after I had already turned. And, uh, she got to meet him, talk to him for about the minute that I was gone. And she just was like, this is one of the most incredible things ever because you see these people on TV and then she getting to have that experience was cool for me. Like, would I have liked to meet him? Sure. But at the same time, I'm like, that's more meaningful for her to be able to take that back to San Antonio and share with her sisters and my grandmother and, and the, her colleagues at work and sorts of things. And so, yeah, that was a really special thing that um, money can't buy. Yeah. You know, you don't buy tickets to these things. It's literally who you know and, and being able to, to network that way. So that was very special to share that thing, that experience uh, with her. Uh, and there's been multiple moments like that, not only with her, but my wife or, or best or best friends or close friends in Los Angeles where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in these moments where it just doesn't even seem real. And it's like, let alone, it's literally just like, it's happening. So it's just kind of go with it, live in the moment, enjoy it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That you're able to like, from what you're saying, you know, it's, it's cool for yourself to be in it, but the fact that you're able to share those moments with people that you care about, and, and that's more important to me. Exactly. Yeah, that's way more important to me because it's just, it's a special thing that I continuously remind myself, like, what good is it if I have nothing to share it with? Right. And so yeah. nobody to share it with. And uh, it's been, it's been just, it's been just amazing to watch those experiences and moments that I've had with others, giving them first time experiences from whatever the case may be, maybe sitting courtside or sitting in a, a suite at Staples Center's backstage for concerts, those sorts of things that are just like really special to remember um, and have those, those times to just like look back on. And even for me, like I still pinch myself. I'm like, I'm really, I'm really here right now. And like, it, it's a, the Drake line or reference that comes to mind. It's like came a long way from sitting in the nosebleeds. Yeah. I used to sit there. I, and I would, I would cheer proudly and I was there. Yeah. Talk about, um, you're a big diehard Spurs fan. You I know. am. Talk about your all time starting five for the Spurs. You can throw in a six man. Okay. This was an easy, but hard one. Uh, the big three, that that's no question. Right. No Timmy, Tony, Manu. Right. Then you got to put in the Admiral because it's the Admiral and he's just awesome. Right. Yeah. Twin towers. The fifth one is really hard for me, though. Um, and where I lean into who should go here, I kind of go back and forth. But the, the, very, the decision I'll go with is actually going to be George Gervin, even though I never really got to see him play except on highlights and old games, um, just because he's the Iceman. Iconic was like the perennial superstar in San Antonio before the Spurs were the Spurs in, in the you know, 99 through, through 2016. But um, I'll go with those five. The sixth man... Obviously, it could be Manu because he's just the best six man to, to play in the league. But I, I think the person I would include as a six man here, just because he had a short stint with the Spurs, would actually be Kawhi. Yeah, I mean he's Even, one of the best to put on a uniform. I mean, yeah, he could he could be a five easily, six easily. But like, yeah, yeah. I would you know he's interchangeable with with a, a George Gervin to go to the six, Kawhi to go to the five. But like, I'm still a bit bitter about all that happening. But Ooh, yeah, you know, we got a we got a ring, so we got you know we had two chances. We got one of them, which was nice when he was around. But yeah, that's who I would I would for sure go with. Um, I thought a ton about like Sean Elliott and. and Avery Johnson because they were so foundational and setting up the Spurs for when they finally made the championship run in 99. But 
yeah. for me, um, you know, the players I listed are the ones that I would like go to battle with and choose you know, to, to go through. What's cool about being a Spurs fan, especially for us too, right? We grew up on the south and so uh, on the south side of town. And so when the Spurs would win a championship or something, military drive. You celebrate like you won. Yeah, yeah you military like you drive was. Spurs are family. And for those that don't know, military drive is a main road uh, in throughout that side of town. And, and it was just jam-packed. Like a, the parade happened the parade. night one. Yeah, it was crazy. A parade, man. Yeah, I remember I uh... – you know, I've gone to many games throughout my life, fortunately. And um, I remember the Western Conference, I believe Western Conference Finals, 2000 and let me think. I think it was 2014. They played the Clippers. And this is when uh, it was game seven. And Chris Paul hit the floater over Timmy. Mm. And Kawhi had a last second shot to sort of, you know, save the game, but didn't. And I remember I, I flew by myself to Los Angeles for game seven. I'm pretty sure it was 2014. Oh, wait, let me, maybe 14 or 15. I'm getting the dates wrong, but if you look for the Spurs Clippers game seven in, in the last few years, I was at that game. And it came down to the wire. Chris Paul hits this incredible floater over Timmy. Yeah. And I was just like, the, you know, I was there in LA. I went by myself. Cause I was like, I got to see, like, I, I love the Spurs. Like they, they are part of who I am as an individual. Yeah. And I was just crushed because <laughs> I, I was like, damn it. I flew way over here for a freaking game and yeah. I wanted them to win and they lost. And but yeah, those are some of the memories I, I'll take with me forever. Win or lose, like diehard Spurs fan, because it's just part of who you are. So that's, At least from being from San Antonio. For sure. And that, that's one big memory. Give me a couple more of your favorite Spurs memories of all time. No, I mean, the Memorial Day miracle, right? Like, that was one of the most iconic shots, for sure, to ever witness as a kid, but let alone rewatch it as an adult. Like, Memorial Day miracle, Sean Elliott, tight roping the sideline, hitting it over Rashid Wallace, seconds left, Crazy. and then that propels the Spurs to go forward. Unbelievable. Um, let me think of other games that I will never forget or that were memorable for me. I'm trying to think of uh, ones that, that I've attended that were for sure memorable. Um, I think, I think game six Western conference finals, 2014 when the, the Spurs, uh, Boris Diaw just like killed the thunder. Yeah. This is right before basically the thunder fell apart and Russell Westbrook and, and everyone split. But that was like a crazy game because I knew had they advanced past the Thunder, which was going to be like their, their largest opponent to like get through, they would easily get through the Heat, which they had just lost to the previous year with the heartbreaking Ray Allen three-pointer. I still think about to this day. And it was kind of like the revenge of the Spurs for 2014. Yeah. Um, so those are some of, some of my like favorite moments. And then the last one I just – I'm seeing in, in my head play out was uh, – I think it was game five, San Antonio, 2014 NBA Finals. Ginobili just goes right past, I believe it's uh, Ray Allen. Chris Bosh. No, he, does he go past Ray Allen or Chris Bosh? He dunks on one of them with his left hand. I think he bumped Ray Allen, and dunks over on the Bosch. top of Bosh, yeah. And that, to me, was just like a signifying moment of like, yeah, they're not losing this game. game this is the championship. is coming home. Yeah. yeah that play, get, even to this day, it just shows that grit that Manu Ginobili had, that competitive fire, like whatever it takes, you know. And, and uh, you know, one of my favorite memories was 
was, I mean, the whole seat, the whole redemption season, because they were rolling out the trophies before Ray Allen hit the shot. And, and he hits the shot. We ended up losing the whole series. It was devastating for a Spurs fan. Uh, but then when the Spurs win the Western Conference Finals and Tim Duncan says, we're going to get it done this time, or something to that effect, uh, we're, we're going to take care of business this time, or whatever he said, I felt all the confidence in the world that Tim Duncan and the and company was going was gonna to bring it home. And, and sure enough, they just totally displayed this beautiful – display of basketball for the whole world to see it was, it was awesome that whole thing was just one giant great memory for me yeah i mean that's also the last <laughs> trophy we've gotten but hopefully more to come soon <laughs> yeah hey uh, keep it down over there with that stuff <laughs> um you know any advice that you would give to young athletes you know um that aren't destined for the nba um but but can take the things that they've learned through sports and athletics and any advice that you'd give or, or any advice in general didn't you have to be that related to that? Yeah. A couple pieces come to mind. This is, this is what I tell myself every morning and remind myself to, to live by. So what I'm feeding you is also what I'm eating myself. Right. And yeah. uh, you know, the things, the things that are always top of mind for me is just the fact that I'm still here mm-hmm. and there's still a lot of unfinished business left that I need to do personally for my goals, my ambitions, my dreams. Uh, as I mentioned, there could be a reality where tomorrow I'm not here. That's a reality. But every day that I am here is is a day that I'm just grateful and thankful for to be able to do more with it. Because, you know, time is, is all we have at the end of the day. And we have each other, obviously. But I think time and what you make of it is so critical and so key. So, like, protect that and don't waste it. Secondly, it would be to always bet on yourself always bet on yourself through the failures that I've had through the successes that I've had. The one thing that's remained the same is that I've always given myself a chance, even if others haven't. And I think that's something that you can apply to anything in life. I didn't get the, my first job out of college wasn't Facebook. Yeah. I got rejected by Facebook, but I'm at Facebook now. Right. And I think those, not every scholarship I applied for in college for college accepted me, not every, minimum wage paying job when I was 16 and wanted me to work for them. Those it's fine. It hurts, but it's fine. You're not going to hit, you know, home run or slam dunk every single time. That's okay. And you shouldn't because this is what really builds resiliency and character to continue to move forward when it gets really hard yeah. because life is hard. It's super hard. But if you can bet on yourself and manage it and manage to ultimately, you know, keep going, I think those are the two words that I remind myself every single time. And it's kind of crazy because this was a mantra that I just had in me to keep going, keep going, keep going, whatever, just keep going, keep going and just pushing through. And I mentioned that we were in Bali last year for our honeymoon. And part of it was um, spent in this city town in Bali called Ubud. And Ubud is this very yogi, spiritual, like green peace type place, very Zen. And the only reason I knew about Bali and Ubud was the fact that uh, there was this, there's this movie called uh, Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. It's an older movie, right? But in that, Bali is one of the places she visits. And in Bali, she visits uh, what's called like a healer. So this guy's kind of like a fortune teller, right? Very famous. And because of the movie, it made him really famous. And so I'm like, oh my God, like I need to go see this guy. And so I tried to go see him. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but his son 
is now a healer and kind of taking his place. And so I remember going last year to, to meet this healer and, you know, we had a very open conversation about different things and he told me what he saw in my life, but ultimately what he left me with is what I'm sharing here. And that was something that I had already kind of thought of and was living day in, day out. It was just keep going, just keep going and keep going to, to better yourself, to better those around you, to better your community, to be a better person and do the right thing. And I think that's the, the part where you really can, can grow up and develop and, and do what's best for you, for your family, and make a difference, leave a difference. And, and I think that's really the, the roots and foundation of what I try and get back to and decisions that I make of what I do versus what I don't do or what I don't do versus what I do, those sorts of things, to really just do what's right mm-hmm. and to keep going. And not everything I do is a success. Not everything, and that's okay. And But being comfortable and being okay with that, I think is something I, I learned years ago and now that I'm older and something I don't forget about. So that's the, that's the sort of parting words or wisdom I would give to, to these individuals who listen to it. And also too, like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help is not a weakness. It's a strength. And, and don't be afraid to do that, whether you're young or older, my age, your age, whatever. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help we're all in this together and, and i think you know if there's someone that you want to be like or do something like reach out to them let them know like how do they get to where they're at or whatever the case may be and if someone has questions for me or wants help from me and i'm uniquely able to do so let me know um and i'll, I'll do what i can no promises but i'm going to definitely try to do what i can to help you if i can even if i don't know you it's awesome i don't i don't mind that i don't mind helping that's, that's wonderful stuff. I try to live the same way, no, especially if I don't know something. I'm going to ask and, and try to figure it out and so I can do the best that I can in whatever the, that situation is. Uh, well, I appreciate you, man. Before we go, though, I do got one question. Yeah. Uh, Instagram battle tonight uh, versus uh, you got Snoop Dogg versus DMX. Who's going to win? DMX and Snoop Dogg? DMX and Snoop Dogg tonight. Oh, Snoop Dogg. You got Snoop? I got Snoop. Oh. So after the whole battle's done, I'm going to text you and we're going to find out if uh, that was accurate. All right, yeah. I think I'm going to be pretty accurate, but it's also subjective to the opinion, but I think it'll be an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Well, Justin, I appreciate you, brother, taking some time out to talk. Uh, you know, we, we went about an hour or so, but it doesn't feel like it, right? Talking about no. how time is relevant when you're kind of locked in and, and having a good conversation and, and there's good stuff that you're, that you're giving us and, and feeding to the listeners. I, I really do appreciate you. Yeah, man. Again, really thank you for even thinking of me to, to share what I think or, and a bit of my story. Um, and hopefully it makes a difference, even if it's just in one person. And I think that's always what I strive for, just, just leaving it be- leaving the, the world better than, than, I, than I started with it, day in and day out. No, most definitely, Justin. Thank you, brother. Have a good day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And if you need something, uh, don't be afraid to reach out. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Yes, sir. Bye.